We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. As he takes everybody up, Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. And welcome to Light Years. Andy, we got a special guest today. Uh, This guy, I have never seen been aggregated more. Uh, Just for the most, by, by Warriors Twitter. Just for the most innocuous things, especially, especially in the last few months. 2019-2020 beat writer of the year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you know. I love, we love Slater. I appreciate <laughs> that we're getting that out. <laughs> well, I just like I, the KD stuff was pretty funny. By the way, last year, love. Oh that. yeah, love that. Um, we all have our KD stories, and I'm, I think we'll maybe we'll go into it during the pod at some point. But <laughs> my God, Connor, Letourneau. By the way, Letourneau, I'm saying it right. You are Good job. just just every I, people love the love your work. I think it's just they just love 
it's just every day it's something. I see your name on Twitter every day. It's something that you said on a podcast or something that you wrote in a mailbag. It's my favorite thing on Twitter right now. because <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I was going to say, so it's like, so the Warriors were contending for titles and then you get this off year where it's more about the draft. Yeah. And I don't know. Have you ever covered a team that was in the lottery going to the draft? I mean, to be honest with you, the, the Warriors are my first NBA beat, so um, no, uh, I've been very spoiled. But to be honest, like I've always loved the NBA draft ever since I was right. a kid. It was my favorite thing all year that I would look forward to. So I'm really enjoying being able to look into all that stuff and reach out to scouts and all these things. Because the past three years, you know, we literally had a week of prep before the actual draft between the finals and the draft. So actually, for it to matter and to have as much time as we had, now we have too much time. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, now now you have like three draft cycles in one. Well, now I'm just gonna take a bunch of off time because nothing matters right now uh, for a little while. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's been fun for me because just because I really enjoy that stuff. Nice. Um, so I wanted to start on this. Um, oh boy. <laughs> Sorry. I'm looking at the rundown. I can't stop laughing. Yeah. So last year. You wrote an article, I want to say January, February of 2019, about uh, Smile Geach in the G League. And <laughs> I, when I read it, full discretion, my thought was like, this is just trying to fill 82 games of content. I didn't think there was anything. That's big a lot, big about- part of what our job is. I mean, <laughs> I have to write every day, so. I mean, when and, we podcast, uh, we're filling up content, but yeah. And, and then, so you I know. I do that sometimes. <laughs> And so, you know, fast forward, you get to draft time and all you hear about is kind of how they really want to make sure they grab them in the draft. And now that I'm looking back on it, that might have been one of the more important pieces written about the Warriors uh, outside of the core players that give you kind of insight into management. And I'm just wondering, uh, obviously, you're not going to give anything out, but like what what got you to write that piece on Smile Geach then? And- told me. <laughs> so to be honest with you, that was kind of a random thing. Um, I had heard that there was a guy in, uh, in in Santa Cruz that they were intrigued with that was the youngest guy in the G League. I had heard a little bit about his story. Right. I didn't think much of it. Um, but then I just randomly, I had an off night and a friend of mine just went to the Santa Cruz game. Uh, actually, Wes Goldberg, who's now on the beat. Mm, uh, nice. We we went to the game, and that was the game where he had probably his best game in the G League, and he went completely off. And so I, you know, pr- pretty much just hung around after the game and started talking to people and realized, look, they're, they want to draft this guy. Um, so then I was like, I need to oh, write wow. this story. So that's that's really how it came about. I was literally just in the stands and saw him go off and was like, who is this dude? Um, but, uh, I, I was proud of that just because I did feel like I was ahead of the curve a little bit. Absolutely. I knew, I knew for a fact that they were going to draft him. Um, they would have traded, they would have traded into the first round to get him. That's how much they love him. Christ. Um, God. they were going to do whatever they needed to do to get him. Please. So, stop, so that stop brings talking. up, that brings up the, uh, the question of why I think that whole smiley each thing is important. Cause I feel like, um, Obviously, they've been contending for titles for five years in a row. And uh, when you're contending, everything's about like margins and like what that can help you fill in like the eighth man role or something like that. Right now, they, you know, KD left. Uh, the core is older. They're 
tasked with this whole like remake the roster and I don't know if I really trust their ability to like scout and develop talent. So, um, with I've that heard that s- a lot from people. Um, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. But, <laughs> but I guess my question for you would be, how can we really know when they haven't drafted before 28 since 2012? So, so I agree with you. It, it's an unknown to me. Um, and that's why I keep going back to the smile each pick, which is kind of, we talk I mean, about it had, a lot, by the way. We've had, we we've had, yeah, we've oh, had, uh, oh. we, we had like Sam Bassini and, and Jonathan Wasserman and stuff on the pod. And I know you've spoken with them and they both uh, felt like if no one talked about him, he wouldn't have gone drafted. So what are the Warriors doing? Essentially giving away, because they gave away two. That, that's, our, big, that's our biggest, yeah. He got drafted because he was Kent Lakeham's guy. Right. So Kent Lakeup really liked him. Kent Lakeup discovered him in Serbia. Yeah. That is the reason he got drafted. It wasn't that he was on mock drafts or people were talking about him. It was Kent Lakeup was obsessed with him and then therefore made other scouts in the department believe in him. And that's why they took him. So, by the way, so, so my oh. question is do you find that, I mean, you're around the team as much, if not more than anyone? Hey, just like being honest, like you're, you're, of all the beat guys, you're, you're definitely putting in more work than anyone. Do you not find that kind of concerning in terms of process that, you know, I mean, Kent's, he's not like the, the most seasoned scout. Like I'm I'm trying to, I actually, I think Kent's really good at his job. Um, and I thought it was a really smart thing to do, bringing him over from Serbia to the G league, um, and getting an up close look at him. But the reality is, and I told everyone this when he got drafted, he, his highest level professionally before he came to the G league was the Serbian third division, which is like a semi pro league where he was playing against like five, 10 white guys in a rec league sized gym with soccer goalposts in the background. So it's, it's not fair to expect him a year later to be any sort of contributor at the NBA level. I do think that he has a unique skill set, and I can understand why you take a second round flyer on the guy. Right. Um, but they did give him a guaranteed deal, and he is guaranteed this year. And honestly, you're looking at that this 15-man roster. If they really want to contend, every spot matters. Yeah. And he's kind of he could be wasting a spot this year. And I know some people have said, should they just cut him and eat the money? I think they, he has to finish out this year. I think he deserves another year to see if he can improve. But you guys saw it. he regressed this season. I mean, he got worse as the yeah. season progressed. This, it was limited it, time but I was not impressed down the stretch of the season. And I would say the other thing is actually, I think it's okay to have one project guy on a 15 man roster, maybe two. Uh, But when you have Jordan Poole, who, I mean, he got better as the year went on, but he's anything but a proven quantity, much less like a playoff caliber contributor. Um, And then you have a rookie come in next year, like at a certain point, you can only have so many projects on the roster. At once well, I, I, I think and the expect issue, to be relevant in you know the playoffs or anything. What this is what Sam and I bitch about all day long is is <laughs> I guess it's not so much about Smiley's play because the dude's nineteen. It's like yeah, he sucked. It's like whatever. I don't really care. It, it's more could have been a college freshman, guys. Let's, yeah, exactly. It's like that's fine, right? Like it's fine. Like if he's not, and good, he I might end think, up being really good, and in three years, we'll all exactly like, look like we're you know a little too. Too gun happy. He's on to do, but bitch about nineteen. Yeah, he's a spur now, and he's he's fantastic. Um, I guess our concern is more like 
you know, you mentioned Ken Lacob in, in the power there. I think our concern is more the process. Yeah, Jerry yeah, West was uh, one of the best, and you're not replacing Jerry West with the Lakeups. But you know what? What do they have there? What's their kind of like? Yeah, no, I I completely understand that concern. I mean, if we're just going to go through the scouting department, no one is experienced, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, however you pronounce his name, Yankov in in Europe, he's been mm-hmm. with them for a long time. But you know, and he's just prim- primarily scouts European guys. Um, but in terms of the guys they have stateside, I mean, Mike Dunleavy's been doing it. This is his second year. Uh, Kirk Lake. Yeah, at least, at least Pasco can play. Can't like um, um, they don't have a ton of super seasoned scouts. Um, they're all pretty young guys. Why is that? Um, so I can understand the concern there. I do think that Bob is is a good evaluator, good mm. evaluator of talent, but he's not the one who's on the ground looking at these guys every day. Um, so this is going to be a really fascinating draft, especially if they'd get between two and five do you um, um do you know why they haven't kind of invested more into scouting then because they've invested a ton into um development. player development yeah right and that's been kind of a, and that makes total sense uh, it makes sense to do it especially after kevin durant leaves and like you know you enter a different stage of the i franchise. mean the way they i think the way they look at scouting is it's kind of a an opportunity to groom guys for bigger front office roles you know so okay nick urin is a guy that they really believe in um and they think that he has the potential to be an nba gm someday that kind of role so they they use it more as a as a front office development role than anything i agree with you though that it would be helpful to have one or two guys who are really experienced like like a travis schlank or someone they do have um they do have um how am i forgetting his name now larry riley Larry, uh, or sorry, sorry, Larry Harris. Larry Harris. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say Larry Riley. Larry Harris, um, who is a former GM, um, and he is very on top of this, but he has a mixed track record. Um, his big thing, his big thing was that he drafted Andrew Bogut number one, which isn't the worst number one pick ever, but it's no. not a good number one pick. So I can understand that being a criticism, but I, like I said earlier, I don't think you can fully evaluate that until you see them how they do with this lottery pick and next next year's lottery pick. So, so with that, Minnesota is a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lottery pick. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, so that brings uh, the question, who are the chief decision makers? Like um, obviously Bob Myers, the GM. Uh, the last time the Warriors were in the lottery, Bob was inexperienced. Jerry West was a voice in the room. Travis Schlenk was there. There was, that was um, Bob's first, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and that's 2012. And obviously we know what's happened since then. Um, so now you don't have Schlank. Uh, you don't have, I, I think Larry Riley might've still been in the front office at that point, by the way, too. You obviously uh, they, don't have, they were transitioning over. I believe they had just transitioned over to Bob. You obviously um, don't have Jerry West. And so, so my question is like, obviously Bob's the GM, but uh, who are the chief decision makers here? Whose voice is carrying the most weight? Etc. Yeah, it's it's more of a group dynamic than I think a lot of other front offices. There is a lot of conversation. There is a lot of uh, weight put in every person's voice, which I think can get complicated at times. Right. Um, obviously, Bob is the one making the final decision, and come come the final week or two before the draft, they're going to start looping Steve into it. They've already actually looped Steve more into it this year than obviously past years. 
So Steve's actually going to be a voice in there too. But obviously it's, it's, it's Bob making the final decision, but there isn't that like commanding voice in the room. Like there was Jerry West. Right. I do think, I think it's, you guys are showing how long you've been around this beat by understanding how important Travis Schlink was. Cause I don't think people, a lot of people understand how key he was. He really was in a lot of ways, Bob's right-hand man and mm. made a lot of really nuanced decisions in terms of building that roster and gave a lot of really important bu- advice. People think Jerry West did everything. I would argue that Travis Schlink was just as important, if not more mm. important. I think uh, they can get him Pete, back. He'll be gone soon. I think Peter yeah, Duber. He's actually doing an okay job. He's just gotten <laughs> really unlucky. Get him back. They can get him back. You know, anytime, anytime you trade Wade Doncic, you're it's a fireball offense. Well, starting. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's good, but he's not. He's I mean, the good. fact they didn't go one to two, and, you know. But anyway, that's a that's a Phoenix Sacramento issue. <laughs> that's what true. I was that's true. So it seems like Dunleavy's gained some power in the front office. It seems like Bob values his voice. Is that correct? Kill, kill me. Yeah, because they have a long personal history. You know, they um, he Bob was Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s agent uh, right? agent when he was with the Warriors. And in the NBA, and they're very close personal friends. Their families hang out, and I think he always wanted to hire Mike. And you know, they it was one of those things where when they brought him in as a scout last year, it was basically like you're gonna have one year to kind of get your things in order to move to the West Coast because we're gonna find a role for you higher up. Like they always had big plans for Mike, right? So um, yeah, he's definitely someone that matters a lot, and and his voice is growing and. You know, he was the one person that was in the room with Bob when Bob orchestrated the whole sign and trade with with, with D'Angelo Russell. Um, he was the one person that that Bob was talking to during that process. So, do you? Um, Interesting. Obviously, uh, they've they've given Dunleavy a lot of credit for the Pascal pick um, and. Uh, the Delo trade—that's that's interesting too. I didn't know he was as important. Which we think in is that. a good move. Yeah, which I think, think it was too. Move. When you more from a cap perspective yeah. than anything, but like it was the only move at that point. But well, it was a did, good they, move. did they make it from a cap perspective though, no, or I'm, from I'm a ta- player? Are we perspective? talking about the Brooklyn? I was talking about Brooklyn. Yeah, correct. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Well, are, is did they he like D'Angelo as a player, or did he do it just because they needed? Because we think they do it just to do it. Didn't matter if he was D'Angelo or not. But if he liked right. it because of D'Angelo, maybe that's an issue. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, they didn't think that highly of D'Angelo. <laughs> um, no, the, or if the, they did, got, it, it did flipped it really quick. The only way <laughs> right. possible with the cap of bringing in an all-star yeah. caliber guy who's 23 years old. Yeah. And I think that was brilliant. I mean, yeah. I, I personally really liked the trade with Minnesota. I think Andrew Wiggins is a legitimate starting small forward for this team yeah. for a while. And, I, you know, the big asset being what's going to be a lottery pick in 2021, which is a loaded draft. We're, uh, uh, we're we're in on Wiggins. Sam and I have you, have talked ourselves into it. Very yeah, much. we'll we'll get into Wiggins later. Um, on the Dunleavy front, have you got any sense of the type of players he likes? Like, not even specific ones. Um, I just every player is a type. Like we at yeah. this point, we all know what Steve Kerr values. For example, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, just I don't want to give away too much of what he's told me because I a lot sure. of it off the record. But just general sense of. Uh, of what I've gleaned from him is that he does not necessarily think super highly of big men in the modern NBA. Um, oh, God, I, might, li- I might like Don Levy now. He, uh, you know, he definitely believes in positionist positionless brand of basketball guys with length 
more than necessarily size. Um, and, you know, he's looking for guys who wings who can fit the three and D model. Um, I think philosophically he's very in line with, with Bob. And what about Steve and Bob? Um, Steve's, you know, he, he could not be more of a Phil Jackson protege. Like he knows what he wants and he's not afraid to let you know what he values and he'll challenge uh, players in ways that other coaches won't. Um, he, he was a GM before I, I'm assuming he has a big voice in terms of who they pick or is that inaccurate? Um, he's definitely involved, especially down the stretch, but you have right. to understand that the draft really didn't matter until this year as far as Steve being. Oh, exactly. Coach. Yeah. Like, I mean, so yeah. he really was not involved, very involved the past five years. Um, but he has been very involved the past couple of months because a, he has time B this draft really matters. Um, so he's been doing a bunch of research on his own, watching highlights and all the guys. I believe he's created his own sort of big board. Um, at, they're at the stage now where everyone has created their own big board, and then they're going to meet and start hashing out what their group big board looks like. Do you get the sense that they're relatively aligned or they're all over the place? Um my general sense is that a couple of the key decision makers are pretty aligned, but the scouts aren't necessarily as aligned on some of the bigger yeah, questions. I mean, it's a it's a it's a bad draft. Bad draft is generally code for no one. Like, there's no Zion. There's no eight. There's, I mean, no, ob- there's yeah, no one obvious. But the, there are a few guys that the Warriors are super high on that other teams aren't, and I've written about them, um, like Sadiq Bay. Like they love him, like from what I'm hearing, like they love him from more than like because why he, Marcus keeps writing about him. He's yeah, uh, Marcus knows what he's talking about, and yeah. it, that's exactly what I've been hearing too. Like from what I've heard, there are people that have like a top five grade on him. It's a great name though. Just I'm, I'm this is a guy who's that. projected like <laughs> Sam's like and he's providing no. This, no this is a guy who's projected like mid to late first round. I, so Devin Fassell is how the Warriors aren't going to be afraid to think differently. Because, because this draft is so wide open, they're not going to be. A, there's going to be no herd mentality. So, so these what guys, Sam, they about? think they're getting the next smiley geached when they so, draft this. <laughs> or sorry, so when, they, have, when they get Bay. So I like Sadiq Bay. Um, I mean, I've I've watched him because he's on one of the better college teams. So like, I'm not going to pretend I'm you know watching. Uh, uh, you know, like someone in a, you know, in the German league, like Kill- Killian Hayes is Jeff- definitely just like YouTube highlights to me relative yeah, to college same. players. And I'm, I'm, I don't feel the same way as Ethan Strauss about Killian Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan doesn't even believe half the shit he writes anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, what I was, what I was going to say is what are you, so if there's people in the Warriors who think Sadiq Bay is worth a top five pick, they think he's more than a three and D player. Cause like most of the draft people are basically like, well, He's going to be a three and D player. Yeah, they. The question is, what's his ceiling? Because a lot of a lot of scouts don't think he has much upside because he's not very athletic. Uh, he's old for his grade. Um, he, Age you know, 21. he he hasn't been great at playing on the ball. Um, so there's some legitimate questions there, and I wonder too if he could ever be anything more than just a decent rotation player in the NBA. But um, Obviously, if if people if some members of the organization believe he's a top five guy, then my guess is that they think he has a much higher ceiling than that. Because the thing is, this draft is weak solely because there's 
there's so much uncertainty at the top, but I really do feel like there's a few guys in this draft who are going to be really good NBA players. Yeah, and I mean, every week draft, week draft generally means the best player isn't obvious and like it ends up being Giannis at 15 or something which, which weird he like was that. In the, he was in the Anthony Bennett draft. Exactly. Yeah. Anthony Bennett went one. I and think Oladipo went two. And- yeah. And that, but like when you look at a draft eight years later, you're like, oh, wow, there's Giannis and CJ McCollum. That's a solid draft. Exactly. Uh, just- and, and Victor Oladipo is in that draft. Yeah. yeah so exactly. There's going to probably be three all stars in this draft. Even as much as we want to. We just don't know who they just, are. <laughs> yeah. And it, who knows if they'll be drafted in the top five. Um, Tyrese Halliburton versus Sadiq Bay. Then, um, Halliburton just screams a Steve Kerr type of, well, I mean, to be honest, they both scream Steve Kerr type of players. <laughs> um, yeah. I got the, I get the Halliburton hype. He's another one where I'm like, I go back and forth on the overall upside. I would be shocked if he isn't a good NBA player. He's only 20. Right. Um, do you get the, do you think they like one more than the other? Or is that still something to hash out? I mean, it depends on who you're talking to in the organization. Sure. Um, I believe that overall, when it get, comes time to uh, make their billboard big board based off what I've been hearing is that they will have Halliburton above ball. Um, I believe Halliburton Bay. is the number one point guard. Or you mean LaMelo no, he, ball. Did you mean LaMelo ball? He meant LaMelo ball. I, or Sadiq Bay. Sorry. I, I was talking about point guards. So LaMelo, yeah, ahead of LaMelo ball. He'll be their number one point Whew. guard. In my 30 opinion. questions on LaMelo Ball and all <laughs> struck down by one. I, just, I, I brought that up because I know you guys are big LaMelo Ball guys. Um, but no, he'll definitely be higher than Sadiq Bey. Sounds um, like Lincoln. <laughs> he'll definitely be higher wow. than Sadiq Bey. I think Sadiq Bey, even though they like him, I only see them drafting him if they trade it down. Mm. Like if they package you know, the top five pick with a traded player exception and traded to like late lottery. The, yeah, which is what they should do, by the way. If they think he's that good, but they think they can get him at like 13, yeah, why no would you waste a top three pick on him? I don't see anyone else drafting him in the lottery. Okay, I need to I need to ask this about LaMelo. Um, are they putting Halliburton above him because of fit rather than just talent? Or do they truly believe that as a player, Tyrese Halliburton is a better draft prospect than LaMelo Ball? As a player, he's a better wow. overall player. Yeah. Um, I think that with ball, there's just so many question marks. Um, and I think he's the ultimate boomer bust pick, in my opinion. Right. I think that Halliburton's much safer. I think Halliburton's a guy who can come in and help you from day one. I think he could be your sixth man as a rookie. I think that he could, on a good team, I think he can play on and off the ball, uh, which is huge because obviously he's not going to be their starting point guard anytime soon. So I think he could come in and be your primary backup point guard and also play off the ball with staff. And, you know, he's really efficient. He's got good length defensively. I like him as much as anyone in this draft outside of Anthony Edwards. I'm an Anthony Edwards guy personally. Um, I like if I'm drafting number two, I would personally pick Halliburton. Do you get the impression it's if they get number one, it's Anthony Edwards if they don't trade out of it? Like, um, that's, that's what I'm, that's the impression I've been getting for a while now. Um, they just feel from what I'm hearing, I'm, they just feel like he's a guy who has the best chance of being a superstar guy. Um, he's got the physical tools right now. Yes. He needs to work on certain things, but he'd be in a position with the Warriors where he wouldn't have a lot of pressure as a rookie. He'd have a few years to kind of, right. 
to that go-to guy role. And I think he could be a plus defender as a rookie in the right situation. I also think that he could average 13 points per game as a six man, as a rookie, which would be great value um, given the situation. Right. I mean, the only position, the starting lineup that's in flux is center. And, and I don't he, believe they're going to draft James Wiseman. And, and even, yeah, I was, that's I was going to ask that. that was my next, I was going to yeah, ask that humble. next. It's yeah. like, I don't even see how they take a project center when you have smiling each and they really like Marquise Chris, like how many project bigs do you need? Well, in general, if you guys guys look at the draft in the past 10 years, there's very little value in the top five of centers. Um, It's unless it's a Joel Embiid who they had to wait on for a couple of years. You're you probably don't want to take a center that early in the draft just because there's so many questions. Um, I think that he could end up being a really good NBA center but I don't think he's nearly as safe as a pick as a couple other guys. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any guarantee that he could come in and be their starting center from day one. And it's not like he's competing, at least based off who's on the roster right now, against any huge guy, huge name guys. I mean, he's competing right. with Marquise Chris. If you're not confident that a guy you're drafting at number five can beat out Marquise Chris, you should not take him. Like yeah. that's, that's the bottom line. Absolutely. Right. Um one last question on this, and then we're going to get to our 8 billion mailbag questions. <laughs> he's answered like half of them, which is funny. Yeah, I mean, go figure. Uh, outside of Halliburton and Bay, who are other players you're hearing that they would be interested in? Forget like where, because everything's going to be like a value proposition in terms of where right. they pick. Right. What are, who are other players that they're intrigued by? Uh, Isaac Okoro. Okay. Um, I like that one. I like him a lot. They, he he kind of reminds me a little bit of Andre Godal in certain ways, and just defensively and what he could be at the next level. Um, they like him. They really like uh, – I'm going to mispronounce – Devin Bassel from um, from Florida State. Right. Um, I like him. They like the other guy from Florida State too, Patrick Williams. Mm. These are these are guys that I, I believe – Patrick Williams is everyone – Analytic nerds, by the way, Connor. They love him. So it looks like the Warriors are reading Twitter. So good for them. <laughs> Good. These are Patrick all, Williams. by the way, multi-positional Patrick Williams. players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I am I personally don't love drafting guys that didn't produce in college. Um, like his numbers were not very impressive. Maybe I, I worry too much about that, but uh, I can see why people like him. Um, he definitely looks like he's going to be a good player, um, even if he hasn't produced at a high level. And then other guys, um, they like they like uh, uh, Via from Israel a lot. Um, nice. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that would be in the conversation as well. So they just started playing games over my there. Um, and he's doing really well. My question is, obviously, you know, Kerr and I guess like Myers were supposed to go over there when the season ended. Um, mm-hmm. You know, COVID happened. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that changes everything. Have you heard anything about what they're going to do with in terms of scouting? Um, I don't think there's any plans to travel internationally, um, but that that tape is going to be really important still. Um, he's been I've been following along. I've, he's been dominant at times. I believe he's played like three games. He had like an 18 point game, really efficient shooting. And he's in the second best league in the world. Um, this guy's a 19 year old kid. He's not putting up Doncic numbers the way Doncic did a couple years ago. Yeah, but Doncic is like an ultimate outlier. No, so. exactly. Um, but he is. He has been much more productive at that level than a lot of other guys who were lottery picks. You know, guys like Trigonia. 
<laughs> who was on the same team as 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 Avi is now. Um, and you know, the other guys like that, even even someone like um Porzingis, you know, he's been much produ- more productive than than Porzingis was. Um, I think that a lot of people think he's just going to be a rotation guy, but I personally think he has legitimate star potential. I'm not saying he'll, he'll be that, but I like him upside wise as much as almost anyone in this draft. Nice. Ugh. So it sounds like all the guys they like are gen like, cause everyone you listed is fits the multi-positional yeah. can do more than like, they're not just a rim running center or a, small point guard who's going to dribble the ball like they're all kind of multi-positional yeah i mean with with the top five pick i think they'd feel much more comfortable taking a guy like that than than like cole anthony than a cole anthony cole anthony's stock is plummeting by the way just in general but uh yeah or cole anthony or a james wiseman or or any of those guys that's actually i mean i think all this is relatively good news if you're a warriors fan if you're thinking from that that kind of perspective um no no guards no bigs just go grab go grab a bunch of wings even though there's no generational one but you never know so halberton who can play the wing um which is why i like halberton you know i think he can can find a role and be helpful right away absolutely um all right let's get into these questions andy um i'm trying to skip over the ones that connor's already essentially answer let's, let's do jordan Poole. let's do jordan Poole. i see a jordan Poole one from baltej who's kind of new on on warriors twitter but he just another guy just tweets non-stop so we'll go there have been seeing a bunch of positive jordan Poole stories being put out from the warriors camp classic about time actually is that the organization <laughs> saying signaling that they're not looking to sign a backup point guard this offseason maybe we'll spin another way too. just Are, how the warriors is that them play. hating on my coverage <laughs> is, is that them just assuming that every jordan Poole story i write is planted <laughs> Uh, because I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's written about Jordan Poole recently. You're the, the only, only person, person writing about the Warriors. Yeah, you're the only person working in Warriors media right now. So that's, we everyone, brought, everyone else is just writing like, let's relive 2016. So. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I've been trying to be as creative about coming up with story it is, and it's been tough recently. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I personally believe that they 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 are confident that he can be a rotation guy in the near future um the the hope would be for him to be a back into the rotation guy next season at the age of 21 and then kind of ease into hopefully in his the peak of his career being like a seventh eighth guy on a good team no one sees him being like a legitimate bona fide starter but they see him being a helpful rotation piece which at 28 is really good value if you look at definitely guys who've gone 28 in the past 20 years there's been two rotations two legitimate rotation guys have gone 28 Wayne Ellington and Tony Parker. So if he's as good as Wayne Ellington, that's a win. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's one of those things where everyone always talks about the one guy in every draft mm-hmm. picked at that point. Who's good. Like, Oh, Pascal Siakam went 27. I'm like, I've got news for you. That's, that's not going to happen every year. You know, well, if you look at <laughs> or it, Draymond, the, way the, the right? way the draft is much, usually much better players are, are taken early in the thirties than late in the twenties. And that's kind of like just based off uh, the fact that a lot of times teams let more proven college players fall into the early second round. The four year player or someone like that. So there's not a lot of value usually late in the first. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, here's, here's a good one. Sam, actually, do you have one? No, you can go. 
I have a fun one because we haven't talked about this enough. Um, Gorov. Ah, God, I hope I'm saying that right. Who is the worst player you trade the 2021 Minnesota pick for? Um, I don't think they'll trade it, but maybe the question is how highly do they value that pick? And maybe we kind of feel like they should have gotten more in that Minnesota trade, but that is a hell of a, a, a chip that they have. And yeah, I mean, keep in mind that could, that could be the double draft. That could be the first double draft. And that senior class is going to be really good. And then this you know, current senior class is really good. I mean, Jalen Green is you know is being projected in 2021 as like a third fourth or fifth yep. pick in that draft right. if he was coming into this draft right now he would yeah. be the number one pick in the draft no question so that tells you how much stronger that draft is going to be there are, a, are are there are at least three or four guys who are to me surefire studs in that draft if the warriors it's top three protected if they got the fourth pick yeah. You would get a guy who I would feel confident probably is going to be an all-star in his career. Like that's how strong the draft's going to be. Yeah, someone someone said to me they think there is twelve players better in the 2021 draft than the first pick in this one. I'm like, okay, that's it's dramatic. Now now we're just uh, I would no, say no, we're just least, trying to outdo each other with like a half but, dozen though. There's at least a half dozen. Wow, it seems like the 2021 draft is just every player projected in the top ten is six seven can handle, can shoot, like all multi-positional wings, which obviously is what everyone wants at this point, which, so. So they value it a lot, <laughs> yeah. to answer your question. Uh, that was the biggest asset in that trade, yeah. and that was actually a huge sticking point with Minnesota. That that trade took an extra day or two because Minnesota was not willing to part with that pick with such a light protection on it, and they – finally waited them out and, and got them to include it with only a top three protection, which at the end of the day, I think is probably going to be the biggest takeaway from that trade. It's their best asset. Quote their unquote. Best asset. It's definitely it, the best asset they have. Unless they're willing to part with the core, but that's a different discussion. Even um, if they, even if they get the number one pick in this draft and yeah. that pick ends up being like, let's say six or seven, I think that's a better asset. Wow. Do you think, think they are well no they're 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 still is that vodka they're winning the cup, by the way no they're it's not <laughs> it's just water um, i completely lost my uh train of thought on that this one is, okay. this is what light years does by the way connor it's just me messing around i've listened to you guys serious. before <laughs> i i actually get a lot of like People will reference you a lot on like radio interviews I do and like mailbag <laughs> oh questions and things like that because I appreciate you cutting I, out. I'm, <laughs> the good like, stuff. I mean this as a compliment, but I feel like you guys are really good. You have a really good pulse on the fan base and what they're thinking. So whatever you're saying, I'm like, okay, that's what that's what a lot of the fans are thinking. Like I know you guys are high on Lamelo. I think a lot of Warriors fans are high on Lamelo, even if the Warriors aren't. Um, I like Lamelo like personally. Yeah, I'm maybe, actually not too high. Maybe on not Sam, that's but I divided. Like but um, I was mainly talking about Andy. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I, I think Warriors fans just kind of want to see from a Lamelo perspective. I can see it because they see that every expert is high on Lamelo, and and think I, about, I think that's it. Think like, about that's, why that is, though. Why why is ESPN so high on Lamelo? <laughs> why well, is like that, this. Connor? I like this. I like where this is going. Maybe there's connections with his agent with ESPN. Oh. And oh. Yeah. He's, there's a lot of back scratching going on in this stuff. Like 
when they put when they hit when they put Lomelo number one as early as they did after uh-huh. again, like two mediocre games in Australia. They're shooting thirty percent in Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Miserable. Yeah. I mean, especially in a draft that's so wide open. I think there's a lot of that going on this year. So what do you think about ask, step? Oh, go let ahead. me ask you a Lamello question then, because you hear certain teams are high on him, and I can't tell how much of that's agent posturing versus actual t- – because I can see teams talking themselves into him. I just don't know if that's yeah. you know the, the draft type. Or- I think is like legitimately about him is the Knicks. Um, which is not necessarily which isn't the greatest an sign. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the Knicks usually don't know what they're doing. Um, so Lamelo is a guy that intrigues a lot of teams, but – I think if I'm a GM and I'm my, my job is on the line and I have a top three pick and Lamelo's available, I'm not taking that risk. Um, yeah, there's just way too many questions. What he's what he's good at aren't things that necessarily are going to translate to the NBA right away. And we live in a culture where you know you can draft a guy early in the draft and say, yeah, we know he's a project. We know he's going to take three years. But when actual reality sets in and you're on year two and your number three pick in the draft isn't doing anything, you're going to cut bait. Like that's yeah. that's how the NBA works. So if, if, if you want to keep your job, it's just not a smart gamble to take someone like Lamelo. He might be great. It's just so risky. Yeah. Yeah. Although you would think from a Warriors perspective that not, you're the only team that you're probably not going to fire the guy, Bob Myers, is if they bust. Yeah, but, the, yeah for sure. But how, where does LaMelo fit on this team? He'd he, be your backup point guard and can't really do anything else. I think Steve Kerr would quit. So I, I think that's why uh, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, there's and just LeVar no doesn't so, want him with the Warriors anyway. So. Yeah. Well, LaVar's yeah, a classic guy where it's like he kind of knows that you don't want him, so he's going to say that he doesn't want you. He's that type of guy. He's just classic. And like, then LaMelo was anyway. about that. LaMelo had the quote tweet. Oh, did he? I didn't. Oh, did I miss yeah. that one? The NBC Bay Area blog about it. He like quote tweeted and was like, "What's he doing?" or something like that. Oh, and he deleted God. it. Classic, <laughs> but a classic NBC beer. Hey, let's. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, before we get on with the with the questions, uh, Bet Online is back for month number sixty. Uh, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back. NBA's back end of July, uh, so they say. Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines. For all UFC, NASCAR, Boston, and soccer matches. Actually, MLB is back too. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC all day, every day, live on the website. So if you're looking for something else other than sports, Bet Online also has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Um, no need to go to casinos. Uh, don't be like Sam. Visit betonline.ag, use promo code BlueWire. Free welcome bonus, one word, blue wire, bet online, your online wagering. Sam, did you go to Vegas? <laughs> um, not in the last three to six days. No, no I haven't been to Vegas. Since I was actually down. supposed to be in Vegas next week, but I canceled it because I didn't feel comfortable. So. Yeah, a um, lot of cases coming out. It's like, I, do you need to play poker that badly in a, in a, you know, wearing a mask and a whole thing going on? I'm just like, you can't just go online. And- I just, I don't know that Vegas is fun if everything's like mask and COVID protocol. Like, Spirit I feel like right? I know, I'm not wearing whole- a mask in spirit. <laughs> man, it's just, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Um, with that said, okay, yeah. So you mentioned, who do you like in the uh, the COVID cup? We're not calling it the playoffs here. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I've been high on the Clippers this whole time. Um, it, 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 as long as Lou Williams goes, because I know there was talk about him maybe not going. But right. 
because I really think he matters a lot to that team. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're the deepest. I think they have everything that you're looking for in a championship caliber team. They don't really have any major weaknesses. Um, and I'm just not convinced that an aging Lakers team is going to be able to get up for it in time. No way. Um, and I think that the Lakers are going to be their biggest threat. I don't think there's anyone in the East that is nearly as big a threat as the Lakers. So I, I, I'm, I'm picking the, the Clippers. But I honestly, things are so weird. Like, I would not be shocked if just something crazy happened, yeah. like the yeah. Nuggets were the, top, the winner or something. Because yeah. there's just going to be so much weirdness. You don't know who's going to be sitting out. You don't know who's going to have COVID. Like, it's going to be crazy. Just like random two week injuries. Like, what if what if Anthony Davis just is out for two weeks? Like, yeah. what what I mean, do they cancel the season? Right? I don't. know. It's just, yeah. I mean, I like the Rockets. I don't even know at this point if I'm trolling about liking the like the Rockets. I just, just they're they're kind of the like the popular pick right now. Like I've heard a lot of people picking the Rockets. Uh, I, I get it. I mean, they it kind of plays to their strengths. So. Just a, just a Actually, we, we do have a question here involving the Rockets from um, – how did I mess this up? Mick, Mick Gaboy. Um, <laughs> how, will the, uh, how will the success or otherwise of Rockets' small ball experiment influence Warriors' draft choices? If it Not fail, at all. If it fails versus the Lakers and their big men, does that push the Warriors to draft wise? Me or answer that. Do you think there's anything that could come from essentially? Do you think there's anything that could come from this tournament that influences the Warriors' decision making? I don't think so. Um, I don't think the Warriors are gonna. I think the Warriors a philosophical feel, shift. <laughs> yeah, I think the Warriors already know what they want, and they already have a pretty good idea of the guys they're targeting. And this is going to be such a strange playoff anyway that. Uh, whatever happens should be taken with a massive grain of salt. Right. So um, I don't. I don't see that happening. The the Warriors are never going to go all in on small ball the way the Rockets have. Like that's just not how they are philosophically. They actually value the center position, even though they don't go after big name center free agents. They really value, you know, that that's that center by committee and having that offensive fulcrum. You know. In, in there and that's why i think that chris could be their starting center because i think he really fits what they want in that position Oof. here's uh, a oh go ahead andy i'm sorry no no i just uh just heard marquise chris as a starting center and kind of i'm all in on marquise I actually deep, deep would, side I would, I would i would you know i can't bet money given my job but if i didn't have this job i would bet money that Marquise Chris was their starting center on day one. Well, this okay. This leads to the next question because Andrew Least asks if the pick is traded plus the exception, would you prefer Marcus Smart, Kelly Oubre, or someone else? And there's an and there's a question here by Eli Reisman about kind of that the, was the one I was gonna get to. Yeah, that stuff too. So I, I think Marcus All is happening. I don't actually know, but I would love for him to happen. I, I That's think, why I think. Yeah, yeah, I think and you, you've been super high on Marcus All for a while, right? Yeah, that's my guy. I mean, is there <laughs> is there more of a Steve Kerr center than Marcus All? I know Steve Kerr will make him amazing. Too, no, he yeah. fit he fits perfectly. I think he I think he might be a little out of their price range, but I wouldn't be shocked right. if, he, if he took the less money because he's already made 170 million in his career. And you know, he's already he, won a title. He could come in from day one and be a key part of the rotation on a potential contender in a in a a system that is perfect for him. So I would do it if I was him. And I, I think a center rotation hypothetically of Chris Gasol and a hopefully healthy Kavon Looney is a really solid center rotation. 
I mean, that's perfect. That's yeah, exactly. Like if I was the GM, I would want to add an experience center. And then like, you know, if Marquis Chris plays, you know, keeps exceeding expectations, well then, Oh, you have two good players and you yeah, have to make but decisions. I wouldn't be surprised if Gasol was on the team and crystal started games. Wow. You know, like I, I think, I think they would play around the same amount of minutes though. Yeah. I mean, I could see the minutes thing. Um, do you, what was I going to ask here? Yeah. So I, I guess this, this brings in the trade exception question. There we go. Do you have any sense of who they're eyeballing or who you think is like the ceiling of caliber of player they can get for that? Because at this point, no one knows where the NBA's finances are next year. And there's a lot of speculation they that use it. Yep. certain team. Yeah. One, do they use it to its full capability? And then two, um, you know, other teams may be a little more financially strapped looking to dump salary, right? Yeah. It's going to, it, it's going to depend on the situation. And we've, we've all, we've all seen so many names thrown out there and a lot of the names being thrown out there don't make a ton of sense. Um, Josh Richardson to me would be probably best case scenario. Um, I really, I I really like that idea. Um, I'm not sure that Philly would do it, but I I like the idea. Um, Other, other names that would be possibilities if you're packaging it, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think they want someone who can be kind of a go-to guy off the bench and come in and, and fill it up. I think they want more, more of a spark off the bench. And I think he could be that guy. Um, good season. Eric Bledsoe good season. could also kind of fill that role. Is he coming with Giannis though, Connor? <laughs> we'll save that for later, actually. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I don't want to ruin your vibe here. Um, but to be honest with you, the more I look at this, the more I talk to people, I don't think it's super likely that they end up packaging it. I think that they really like a couple guys that can get in the top five. Um, and I, I think that what they're going to end up doing is using their top five pick and then get it just using the, the, the traded player exception straight up to pick up someone. And the player that makes the most sense if they go that route to me is Rudy Gay. Okay. Cause it would make sense for Classic. the Spurs to do that. And Rudy Gay has been someone they've been eyeing for a while. They really like, he's obviously at the, the back end of his career, but he's still a helpful rotation guy. I think he'd be a really nice, you know, seventh, eighth man on a good team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he makes total sense with how the Warriors play. Um, we know Steph's liked him. Um, it makes too much sense. It's yeah, I mean, it's and sense. if you don't have to give much up to get him, like, I mean, who doesn't want to just throw him into your rotation? And why wouldn't there? the Spurs do that? You know, another $17 million cushion on the cab? That sounds good to me. They should go in full rebuild mode at this point. How much does he make right now, Connor? Do you know off the top? 14, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's toward it's toward the top of that 17. Yeah, there's no reason for them to, if they can get, I just, maybe the Warriors don't even want to pay that because it's not just 14, obviously, right? This, that's going to be massive on the. Right. I, I, I honestly it think. It is 14. As long as Joe Lacob's the owner. I mean, I know there's been talking. <laughs> I've been one of the people talking about this. They're, the the luxury tax bill is going to be so massive, especially if the salary cap drops, which it will, um, that it's something they have to think about. But at the end of the day, I just don't see Joe Laker wow. not going all in on winning because the window is small. You know, like Steph's 32 now, um, plays 30. Draymond has is been dealing with health issues and is 30. So Talks they probably, best case scenario, have like a three-year window. And Joe's not going to let them miss that. 
might might be the best thing you said all podcast. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's Joe Lacob's job. That's I find it. I, I didn't I know think that's I, a, the fan base. I think that's what the fan base wants to hear. They can they can accept that's all they want to hear. Yep. They can but, accept uh, but, losing. But they don't want to lose let's it on put this money. in context real quick. Uh, if the salary cap drops $10 million, which is very realistic, no. they are going to be paying. They will be paying. This is this is rough estimates. They will be paying like $195, almost $200 million in taxes. And the payroll would be projected to be like $180 million. So you're paying 15 to $20 million more in taxes than you are to your roster. So it's nuts. It's nuts. But it could happen. Jeez. Jeez, uh, <laughs> how much? Lot. How much does Chase Center cost again? Okay, we we need to get we need to get. You mean we, a place where there's no concerts or yeah, no we got <laughs> and um, not coming anytime soon. So nope, nope. <laughs> um, let's see what other questions we have here. Lamelo questions we already got to. Um, That's a, why. Why you look it up? Um, there might be a few here, a uh, few names left. I see. Uh, let's talk about because I listened to you talk about Giannis. It's my favorite episode. I forget. I forget who it was on was my it, podcast. Was it Warriors Huddle? You were on with someone, and I and I was listening. Um, and you were they were talking. You were talking about Giannis, and you were like, "Yeah, I think it was Warriors Huddle." But anyway, you gave him a decent shot at it. Um, I think more than I, I, I'm giving them a much better shot than probably any other anyone. Writers. Yeah, um, because I feel strongly that if Giannis becomes available, the Warriors have by far the best chance at him. Um, now, is he going to become available? Probably not. Um, almost definitely not, to be honest. But, you know, let's say there's a 30% chance of him becoming available, which might be high. You know, I think of that 30%, there's like an 80% chance that he would land with the Warriors. Do you, when you say available, you're talking about before next season or are you talking about when he hits free agency and – it it's probably going to have to be free agency at this point okay. um, unless something crazy happens in the playoffs. Like, you know, if, the if Milwaukee round. gets upset in the first round, which is possible given just how crazy everything is, maybe, maybe Giannis needs to meet, needs to give that a, a hard look and, and ask himself if, if, if they can actually, you know, get over the hump in the playoffs, even in a normal format, because, you know, they've proven they can win a lot of regular season games, but right. I'm not confident that that's ever going to translate the title. With they're approaching a first calf stint LeBron to a degree. Right. right. They're a yeah. lot better, yeah. though, Sam. To me, that's like the most interesting part about these playoffs from a Warriors perspective is like what happens with the Bucks and what does that mean for the Warriors? All right. So you're, you're speaking to Warrior fans who want them to acquire Giannis or another player to ben reopen Simmons. reopen a you know another dynastic window like they had with with KD what should warrior fans be rooting for in terms of the, the covid playoffs uh they should be rooting for the bucks to get upset in the first round okay it's swept um and i cuz i the think earlier they, they lose the better the earlier they lose the better um and cuz i think that um, even even if this playoffs has somewhat of an aspect to it, that type of humiliation would really resonate with um, with Giannis, and it would make more sense for Makes him sense. to 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 opt out now, as opposed to sitting around a year and waiting for all the speculation and and all the rumors and rumblings. 
And it would also be potentially a clear path to go where he wants to go, which would probably be the Warriors. Do you put any stock into the Warriors getting a different superstar player? Um, I, ben I Simmons, something like that, or is that all just way too far out? All the and names like, we've heard other than Giannis, like Embiid, Ben Simmons, um, Bradley Beal, yeah. the only one that makes sense to me other than Giannis in the, is, in the short term, by the way, is yeah. Beal. Okay. Because he's, he's, the Wizards are going nowhere and it's a matter of time before they move him. Yeah. And I think they could find a way to make that work. And I think, um, skill set wise, he's, he's what the Warriors like in a lot of ways. Um, so that would make some sense to me. But to me, it, it, it's Giannis or bust. Like if they, if right. they don't get Giannis, I don't see them getting another superstar guy. Um, no. And for those, I know there's probably people that listen to your podcast who actually don't want Giannis. And I, I want to say to those people, I don't understand why they can yes. do that. <laughs> uh, because we're talking about a 25 year old who's a generational talent. Um, that alone, like even if you have to give up play, which they probably would, and Draymond and maybe Andrew Wiggins, like I would do yeah, it. All. Send them all. Send 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 Sam too. Fuck it. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. You guys would too, right? Yeah. So we yeah. would, and and we've gotten. I, I'm less annoyed, but Sam has gotten a little just kind of annoyed just at at. Well, I just I I at. feel like what are we talking about here? <laughs> like it's a it's a it's an obvious move. Um, so I didn't realize that there would be backlash over. Well, if push comes to shove, you have to include Clay. But they're I mean, basketball. they're fans, they're sports fans. Yeah, one's I, 25 I, and one's 30. Yeah, it's, just, it's the memories. One, one has both ACLs. <laughs> you know also, what? Gian, he's the better player. Giannis hasn't hasn't rescued him in a game six in OKC yet. You know that, I, mean? I mean, that's true. That's true, too. There's it, no, I mean, if 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 push came to shove and they and they traded Clay, that would be a, a sad day. You know, it'd be like right. Andre times a million, you know, Andre getting traded times a million. But, you know, at the end of the day, Giannis is Giannis, man, and we're, right. we're in a we're in a superstar league, and um, I do think that they have some a couple good young cheap guys that that would kind of help round round that out if if you're building a roster around Steph and and uh, and Giannis. I mean, honestly, that signing signing uh, Eric Pascal to a guaranteed three year deal was low key a really important thing they did. Uh, just right. having a cheap contract like that on, who's young. That that kind of stuff helps. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to shift this to one other question. I mean, we can we can go in on this, but we're all in agreement. If you can get Giannis, you get Giannis, and worry about you know your lack of everything. Lakers will probably trade Steph for Giannis. So here's a here's a better way to look about it. Do you think the Lakers regret giving up Ingram, who looks like he's going to be an eight time All Star, and all that stuff for AD? No, and Giannis is better than AD. So. Well, yeah, that's fact. Shut, that's cut it. Um, but here's one on Steph uh, from Tommy Gunn. Oh boy. With the new veteran extension deadline oh being October 18th, doesn't really matter. Uh, Steph being extension eligible, do we expect him to sign an extension this summer? Or do you think it's going to kind of bleed out until his free agency in 2022? Just to clarify for the listeners – he can sign a three-year extension. Is that the max, right? Basically, because he has two years left. So yeah. it's a question of if he wants to re-up now to be signed for five more years or he wants to play it out to get a longer-term deal. To be honest with you, that isn't something I've thought a lot about. Um, 
because it's not something that's super pressing. But Warriors fans uh, got nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do. It's yeah, the longest off season ever. Come on, <laughs> um, please. I, I I think that uh, I, I, he, I believe he could make more money if he waits it out. Right. So yeah, absolutely, he waits yeah. it out. Usually, just like yeah. just like his predecessors have, you know, just like Clay did and and KD did. Like I I would wait it out, and I do think that the years thing, you know, he, he'd be willing to sign a four-year deal. He, he sees himself playing deep into his thirties um, if, if possible. Yeah. It's the, the next Steve Nash until his back gives out. So and he'll, he'll finish his career with the Warriors. I think I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. There's been some, some, some smoke, but I think literally, I think the people are just bored. Um, I am too. <laughs> like, I get we're all we're all bored. We all. I mean, well, let's talk about the draft next week and the week after that, and we can Every, just keep going forever. Bring, bring yeah. Connor back mid July. Hey, let's talk about who the Warriors. Want I'm, about, I'm actually. You caught me on my first day of like vacate. I'm like on break now. <laughs> oh wow. Um, so I'm actually going to be off for several weeks, and I don't feel guilty about it because there's nothing to write. So it's it, where nice. are we going to get our content? I mean, with this half the time, we're just, we're just looking at, we're just reading your stuff or listening to your stuff or reading aggregations of your stuff. And then just going off of that, we're, what are we going to do now? I don't know, man. Just do what I'm doing. <laughs> just go hang out. You know? <laughs> um, All right, before you, before we get out of here, I have a few questions here, which are non-related um, to draft or who's going to sign or big trades. Um, these are just random. So everyone's heard your KD story, the one where he, um, you know, he listens diligently to podcasts and heard you say something he didn't like. Beyond that, what's your most awkward story on the beat? Ooh. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, or just an, or just a funny. There's, a, there's a few. I've had a few awkward moments. Um that was definitely the the one with KD was the one like that I'll never forget and right. um you know it's been immortalized in Ethan Strauss's book now, um, <laughs> but uh, one that comes to mind was my second year on the beat. Um, we're in Detroit, and um, it's you know kind of the unofficial Draymond Green, uh, right? <laughs> the unofficial Draymond Green homecoming game, so we're all talking to him in kind of a scrum setting. And uh, he started talking about Detroit and it was the first year at little Caesars and how, uh, you know, there's been a lot of changes to downtown Detroit. And he was talking about his childhood going to Detroit and how it's changed, blah, blah, blah. And just, I don't know what I was thinking. It was just, you guys have those moments, right? Where you're interviewing someone and you just like, don't fully think through the question and you don't think about your audience and it's just the words come out and you're like, what? Um, yeah, but I, I basically asked him about gentrification. I was like, Oh, but you know, it's great because of the gentrification and in, in Detroit. <laughs> okay. And I was like, as soon as I said the word gentrification to dream on green, I was like, wow, that was really dumb. And he just stopped and like looked at me and uh, was like, uh, well, I don't like gentrification. So <laughs> Uh, you know, um, so that was, does he have the, does he have the best death glare on the team? Uh, the worst death glare on the team. He's no longer on the team was, uh, DeMarcus cousins and real quick, I'll give you DeMarcus cousins story. If that's cool. We were in Boston and at Harvard where they were practicing, uh, the year that DeMarcus was on the team and I was having really bad contact issues that day. 
and I can like, relate I, to this. I was all red, and I I was like, I just need to power through and and and, and do this job. And I open up the scrum by asking Demarcus a question, and he just like he literally just glared at me for like I'm not kidding five seconds, and was just like, "You have pink eye." <laughs> <laughs> by the way, um, as someone who wears contacts and uh, can get like seasonal allergies, uh, I'm I'm aware of like how bad it is when you get the. I literally red couldn't eye. open my eye. It was it's so such bad. a. It's such a. And people look at you like you're a leper and just kind of wondering. Oh, it's yeah. it's the worst. You, you don't want to go around people. And, and Demarcus is like, you know, he, he's got no uh, tact when it comes to these things. He just- Demar- <laughs> Demarcus is what, yeah, Demarcus is. We heard some stories about Demarcus. Um, he's certainly fun. I think that that's, oh, yeah, there's a favorite arena and least favorite arena up in here. So Oklahoma yeah, City favorite or what? What's the uh? uh we'll we'll take um we'll take Chase. We'll just take the Bay out of it. Favorite road arena, least favorite. Yeah, we're talking about arena, not like NBA cities. I think it could be both, right? Let's do arena oh, first. Let's let's do like you know the, the atmosphere, hmm. whatever it may be. The best food, what the arena. You're like, oh, I'm excited to go to the Pepsi Center because it's a great atmosphere. Or something. Um, I actually love Detroit. I love Little Caesars. Uh, they have the best food. Um, okay. I get okay. there early and I like don't eat the entire day. And I'll get there like two hours early and just gorge myself. They have like really nice steak and all these uh, all these different like kind of fancier options. They also have like good pizza and and all those types of options as well. So food wise, I would give it to Detroit Um, arena specifically. I would give it to uh, Sacramento. Actually golden one center is awesome. Anyone who's new one. It's incredible. It is nice. I've been to it. I did. Well, that's good to know because I've been to like, I don't know, four or five NBA arenas. So you never know how to, you never know how to shut up. You never know how to context that like, it is nice. You yeah, that, that and Barclays. I like Barclays a lot, too. And nice. then the fact that it's in New York gives it another bump. My favorite Barclays is with your best friend. Toronto and New York. So. Yeah, Toronto, New York, classic. Um, okay, Let, let's get a Chase Center impressions. Season one, I my personal opinion is you can't rate it because literally three games in, Steph broke his hand, and it was just like, I mean, a G League team all year. Right. But I mean, what are your thoughts on it? As far as the arena itself, I mean, we got to spend plenty of time there. It's I had really high expectations, and I think I might have had unreal, unfair expectations, but they they hyped well, it up. That's Joe Lake of Joe Lake of talked about I mean, it. Like he's reinventing. Like, I really like Golden One, like I just said, and I talked to several people in the Warriors front office before Chase Center was open, and I was like, "Yeah, like, how do you think it compares to like Golden One?" And they were like. Golden one, like dude. Sacramento, like that's nice for Sacramento, but Such and, a like San honestly, I think it's a better arena. Like if you're talking about sight lines, how it was designed. Um, I do. Now, think do you think the sight lines are better or the media seating's better? Because uh, the oh. first thing I noticed in Chase was Joe Lacob definitely did not prioritize media seating. He did not, and and same the media room isn't great either uh, compared to other arenas, the, right? Food is an upgrade from Oracle, but it's still not great. Uh, overall, the food I thought has been disappointing. Like, I know that a lot of it's local, but it's not. It's not great. You know, there's not any huge standouts. Um, 
you know, I they did some really cool things. I love the kind of lobby area, if you know what I'm talking about, like the where Will Call is. Like that's yeah, really cool. yeah, like the the, the, um, the front. But to me, if you're not a millionaire and you can't get like one of the really nice suites, it's it's just an it's just an okay new arena. You know, it's not to me, it's not as good as some other new arenas out there. Do we lose Andy? Yeah. Um, my opinion on Chase will always be let's see them let's see a playoff series there because i suspect it won't be as cool as oracle in terms of the crowd and like how nuanced that is but we don't know till we get there yeah Um, i mean people still say that the we believe team had the was the loudest oracle ever was even though there were multiple titles won after that uh you know and and that's the bummer when when you have success is it you, you just prices go up and the fan base right. changes and i don't think we're ever gonna see that we believe caliber you need like a nice 20 year mediocrity like <laughs> losing span to get like that maybe level of started fever this fit. year yeah, yeah i was gonna say maybe it's coming maybe we don't we don't that's not how we're gonna end the podcast we're not gonna yeah we're not gonna end it like this uh we're, we're not gonna do that um but I do we have anything? I do think this is one of the this is probably the most pivotal Warriors offseason in I don't know how long. Just, it's a hundred percent just Bob Myers' most important offseason. Yeah. And we talked a lot about it throughout this podcast, but the next three the next few months are gonna really dictate whether the Warriors are a legitimate bona fide contender or yep. if they're just kind of like buying for a top four seat in the West. Yep. Um what they do in free agency, whether or not they get your guy Marcus Soule. Whether or not you know they can get a Rudy Gay yep. with uh, the trade player exception, who they draft with the top five pick, if they keep their top five pick, those are going to be the difference makers between contention and just kind of fake contention. Yeah. Let me ask you this then. Um, obviously, okay. So Marcus All, like it doesn't take a genius to figure out the Warriors would want him. Now, whether he takes the mid level, we'll see. You know that that's the market crashing or, you know, like not being that who are other players who are available for the mid-level that you think they would eye? Uh, to me, their, their backup plan, if they can't get Gasol should be Serge Ibaka. Um, I, I, I like Serge Ibaka. I also think Paul Millsap could be doable. My guy, uh, my guy. Yeah. And I like Paul Millsap. I don't think he's a true five, but I think oh. he could play five in the Warriors. You could definitely go with the Millsap Draymond small. Yeah. Yeah. Four or five, right? Because yeah. they're both, I mean, they're built the same way, basically. So it's just two Draymonds. Very but, similar players in some ways. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I actually kind of assumed Toronto would prioritize Ibaka, which is why I thought Gasol would be available. But if I had my way around it, I'd rather have Ibaka. Yes. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. I'd rather have Gasol, personally. I he's he's he 35 43% they're from, both 35 talk about 43% <laughs> 30, Andy. 43% um, from three that's what Gasol shot or, or are you it saying was, it was early it was low 40s yeah yeah he, yeah, yeah I mean he's a, he's a better shooter and he's objectively a significant he's a much better passer but he's Ibaka, a, he's Ibaka left. yeah he is a better defender he's a better definitely a better positional defender but Ibaka last year just for reference 39.8% from three, so 40%. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with – if I'm the Warriors, I'd be happy with either and he's of a, And he's a rim runner. Like, there aren't many guys who can hit 40% from three and 
essentially fill in like what Marquise, Chris, and JaVale and those guys do in terms and of there's no way that both those goes guys go back to Toronto, right? That's kind of that's kind of always been my thought process on it is like one of them has to become available because they're both good. They're they're both too good, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can, now we can enter a second discussion. Do one of the LA teams steal them? If you were offered a mid-level from the Clippers and the Warriors, which do you accept? I mean, we can get a second podcast going. Yeah, I. but like I said earlier, I think I think it's a perfect fit for someone like Gasol. And right. I, I think it would make a lot of sense, especially both those guys have made a lot of money in their careers. Right. So I think that a, a little bit of a pay cut's not a huge deal. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. Um, well, we appreciate your time. You enjoy your vacation. How long are you going to be? Uh, First day in vacation. How long are you taking off? Light years. I actually, I'm taking a lot of. I'm taking because the way our job works. I'm not sure if this is totally true to every beat writer, but my job, like, I basically work seven days a week, ten months out of the year, and then the other two months, I'm totally off. So you just so, you just bank you just bank weekends and vacation that you didn't take, so you can. Yeah, we call it stack them. Like we have like I have five set weeks of beat time, which is basically comp time, and then I had three weeks of vacation. So I get I'm like I go on an annual off season hiatus, and I'm starting that right now. Starting out with the light years review of trade nice. player exceptions. No, um, yeah, I'm <laughs> echoing Sam. We appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Anytime, guys. Stuff. I appreciate what you guys do. I think you guys bring a really cool voice to the beat. So keep doing your thing. Absolutely. We'll we'll catch up with you closer to the draft in seven to ten we'll months. Talk about the draft again. <laughs> All right, Connor. All right, appreciate Later, it. Man. Thank you. Bye.